I don't understand why people can't see that fighting for Earther's domination of Malifaux is best for everyone. We do it all for the greater good. The people want us here. They're just afraid to say out loud that they're scared and need our protection. Abner Mathiason, Prefect Monarch of the Guild Make no mistake, the Guild exists for one reason and one reason only. There is talk of justice and peace, but these are secondary concerns, byproducts of their primary interest. The Guild exists to maintain the production of Malifaux's soul stones above all other things. The citizens abide by Guild law because it offers some amount of protection. But no one is confused about the way this force exerts its hold over the city and its resources. For thousands of years, sorcerers have been a clandestine and erudite group. Their concerns lay with the scholarly pursuits, experiments, and arcane ritual. Rarely did their interests lay with social or political concern, except where those issues interfered with their own private matters. In such times, these sorcerers would gather together to protect their shared interest and leverage their might against the world. There has been no greater discovery in the history of man than Malifaux and its soul stones, and there is no room for subtlety in its production. Desperate to control this priceless resource, conjurers, magicians, and wizards came together to establish the guild in Malifaux. This organization would bring law and order to the chaos and violence of Malifaux. Above that, they would ensure that the breach never closed again and that the supply of soul stones was never again threatened. Under the strict authority of the guild, a city was made anew in the ruins of Malifaux. Today, the guild exists as a largely self-governing body on the frontier, far away from the meddling hands of the wizards that spawned it. Its first duty remains to the enforcement of a law that allows for maximum soulstone production. Specialized branches have been developed to combat the unique dangers of Malifaux. Chief among those dangers are the nightmarish Neverborn. So zealous is the guild in stamping out the threat of the Neverborn that almost anyone can become deputized as a Neverborn hunter. The job comes with a rather high casualty rate, as many deputies fail to survive even their first contact with these creatures. However, there are some who excel in this role, most notably the famous Ortega family, who is credited with dozens of slain monsters. A magic native to Malifaux, necromancy has proved to be a difficult issue for the guild to police. The practice of necromancy allows criminals to act via proxy through the reanimated minions. This often makes it difficult to identify the perpetrator of a crime. The Death Marshals are the grim, stoic faces of final death responsible for hunting down these criminals. While the efforts of the Death Marshals and the Neverborn Hunters are appreciated by Malifaux citizens almost unanimously, the Witch Hunters manifest the guild's mistrust in the people they profess to protect. Common people have become empowered by the rich energies of Malifaux. These arcanists represent danger to the guild's establishment by practicing magics unknown and untested by Earth's ancient schools. Untrained and undisciplined, these rogue elements are as much of a danger to themselves as to the general population, and many arcanists quickly take to crime upon discovering their new talents. No citizen escapes the vigilant eye of the witch hunter, and in the eyes of the guild, it is best to cut deep to remove this cancer, lest it spread. Together, these bodies enforce the fascist rule of the guild and ensure the obedience of the population. The soul stones pour from the mines by the weary hands of its population, but it is the guild and its benefactors who enjoy the riches of Malifaux, a fact that the citizens of Malifaux are unlikely to forgive.
where exposure to the corruptive energies of necromancy has had an obvious effect on those who practice it, the techniques employed by the grim death marshals in destroying the art seem to have similar consequence. These ghoulish officers of the guild are every bit as gruesome as the monsters they hunt. The magics they wield in hunting down resurrectionists are eerily similar to those they condemn. The blind Lady Justice seems somehow immune to this malignant energy despite her recurring encounters with resurrectionist dark arts. She is stoic and precise. Few hear her words, but all see her decisive action. Her practical approach to her work is invested with the power that she will decide for herself what is just. Her effectiveness in this has given rise to her lofty position within the guild. The Resurrectionist threat must be routed from the shadows, and Lady Justice works tirelessly to track down these morbid criminals and strike into their hidden lairs. In battle, she is a perfect balance between grace and brutality, cleaving through the tide of the undead with the ease of a dance. Her strike brings final death to those unnatural abominations, and the only justice vetted out to those practicing necromancy is a swift death at the end of her sword. No trial is arranged for these individuals, the blasphemy of their crimes demanding a swift answer. The death marshals stand apart from other guild departments in that they receive almost unanimous support from the citizens of the city. The exploits of Lady Justice and her grim marshals against the gruesome undead are often emblazoned across the front of the Malfo records, headlines meant as propaganda to bolster support for the otherwise maligned guild organization. Guild's special death marshal department employs its namesake agents in open warfare against the resurrectionist threat in Malifaux. Adhering to the tenant Know Thine Enemy, death marshals are trained in the dark arts of necromancy, but forbidden its use. Their bodies bear the cost of this knowledge. The wide-brimmed hat and high-collared dusters worn as their uniforms disguise their wan appearance from outsiders, lest they terrify those they are sworn to protect. The Death Marshal's preferred weapon is an enchanted coffin, which acts as a magic holding cell capable of inflicting horrific visions upon the prisoner while severing its link to Malfo's magic. Ortega is evidence of how far a quick trigger can take a person, answering the guild's call for all able-bodied men and women. The Ortega clan has become a force of destruction. In the early days of guild settlement in Malifaux, desperate to be rid of the monstrous Neverborn, it deputized almost anyone as a Neverborn hunter. That's when Perdita, who had arrived in Malifaux to make her fortune, became a popular savior of the people as well as rich from her successes. Proficient in killing Neverborn, Perdita matched her revolver against dozens of the bloodthirsty creatures. Coupled with her stunning looks, her skill with the gun made her a celebrity overnight. Crowds poured from their homes to see Perdita ride home with the carcass of the latest monster. As the bounty for these creatures rose and more cunning opponents crawled out of the wilds of Malifaux, Perdita enlisted members of her family to assist her. With their help, she would devise clever traps to capture her prey and bait these monsters into brutal crossfire. Each of the Ortegas began to develop legends of their own as the fame of the family grew. Telling epic tales of the famous Ortegas has come to be a popular pastime in the Union Halls or around the dinner table. 
Perita herself has been attributed with all manner of dubious abilities, including a talent to bend bullets and even see in the dark. No one cares if these powers are true. The people exalt this heroine because of the hope she gives them for what anyone can achieve in this world with a little skill. Captured on one of the Ortega's numerous raids against the Neverborn, Perita's enslaved Nephilim is forced to protect its captor as she continues her efforts to eradicate its own kind. The Nephilim continues to strain against the slave's yoke Perita has placed upon her totem. But strong magic binds it to her. Yearning for the day it can break free and visit vengeance upon its master, the Nephilim watches intently for opportunities to escape, even while it stands at her side, bringing death to the Neverborn. Francisco is Perita's eldest brother and a duelist of no small renown. Francisco was offered the opportunity to lead his family after his father's recent bout with insanity, but broke with tradition, stepping aside in favor of his sister, stating that Perita was a far better leader, and the family would be better served with her at its head instead of him. Because legend of his dueling skills has preceded him throughout Malifaux, Francisco is occasionally able to win a fight with his reputation alone, his opponents fleeing at the sight of his intimidating silhouette. When that fails, he quickly demonstrates how such legends begin in the first place. Having found a lucrative employment as a monster hunter, Perita Ortega began to recruit members of her extended family into a new kind of family business. One of her recruits, her younger cousin, Nino, quickly proved himself an invaluable asset as both a scout and sniper. Inhumanely patient, Nino is sent ahead to scout out the enemy and select ambush locations where he can position himself to cover the family while eliminating targets from hundreds of yards away with his rifle. When a single bullet is unable to do the job alone, Nino lets fly with a deadly fusillade few foes can withstand. Once the patriarch of the Ortega family, Papa Ortega's descent into insanity left the family leaderless. Granting himself an early release from the Malifaux sanitarium, Papa returned to the family a changed man. Now only the calm voice of his beloved daughter can quell his inner demons for a short time. Papa Loco remains the master of demolition he has always been, but now with no regard for the safety of those around him. Papa always manages to cobble together something explosive before the Ortegas face their enemies. Unfortunately, in his state, it is only a matter of time before he misjudges his fuses and falls victim to his own creations. The hottest head of the extended Ortega family, Santiago's skill with a brace of peace bringers is matched only by his strength and short fuse. Santiago is often used as the point man when the Ortegas hunt Neverborn and occasionally as a human battering ram. Where his brothers and sister take to cover, Santiago waits directly into the line of fire as if daring his enemy's attacks to strike him. He has survived wounds that would kill lesser men, and anything short of a fatal, for him, blow only fuels his anger, driving him to superhuman feats of strength and martial prowess. Crid is ruthless, viewing her duties as the leader of the Witch Hunter Task Force to be an extension of her own arcane pursuits. Like the Arcanist that she's pledged to hunt and destroy, she recognizes the dawn of a new age of magic where the guild's ancient methods are no longer relevant. 
those tried and true techniques founded by forgotten earthly cults are in danger of being eclipsed by the innovations soulstones have allowed. This progressive mindset makes her particularly well-suited in combating the Arcanist threat which has organized itself into an underground crime syndicate. What many see as the benevolent miners and steamfitters union is simply the facade for organized crime. Her battles against this element take place in the shadows, unlike the grandiose confrontations that other guild departments engage in. This battle is as much political as it is martial, with the Union leveraging popular public opinion against the guild's fascist reputation. Each raid, each attack must be measured against its effect on the political landscape of Malifaux. Sonia's complex schemes unfold in the shadows, spinning the fallout of these confrontations into positive press for the guild by revealing the sinister underbelly of the city. Caught between the struggles of the guild and the Union are the laborers that work in the mines of Malifaux. These men and women have become pawns in a game for control of the city. Union strikes erupt into bloody gang war, while sabotage of the mining equipment results in the death of troublesome rabble-rousers. Sonia has become a master of these manipulations, pitting her clandestine plans against the best minds of the Arcanist organization. When a criminal finds his face on a wanted poster, he knows the tenacious Samael Hopkins is on his tail. Samael brings his skills as a tracker to the profession of witch hunter. Samael brings his skills as a tracker to the profession of witch hunter, an effective combination that has seen dozens of outlaws jailed. He's tough and gritty with endurance to stay in the saddle for days at a time to close the distance between him and his quarry. His patience and determination hold him in good stead, building a reputation as a man that cannot be escaped. Amongst his fellow deputies, Samael is the example to beat. Run and hide, but sleep with one eye open is a popular axiom amongst Malifaux's criminal population. Samael is coming for you. Hey everyone, it's Alex, one more time. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Do you want to stay in touch? We'd love to hear from you. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoulStoryPod. The cast is on Twitter as well. You can find Moose at Moosifo. Spencer at Spare Bear the Meek, Bam Bam at Hot Bam with three M's, Logan at KOTL of the Light, and you can find me, your Fate Master, at Roll for Alex.